This is Dr. Sheldon L. Akins, host of the Leading Equity Podcast and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. I, it was like I wasn't breathing. Um, it felt very suffocating. Um, and while all that's going on, it's not like education stood still. Mm-hmm. We're getting all these changes of this stuff. And so there's always the smattering of those um, issues as well that were overwhelming. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Hello, Burned In Teachers, and welcome to episode 29 of the Burned In Teacher Podcast. One part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. Last week, we had the amazing opportunity to hear my interview with Dr. Lori Desatels, and we talked a lot about brain science and practices that we can use to co-regulate ourselves and our students. How's that going? If you haven't joined our Burned In Teacher Facebook group, go ahead and join and let us know what you're doing to change your approach to co-regulating your students' behavior in your classroom. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash Burned In Teacher. Inside this group, you can share images, struggles, wins, fails, frustrations, questions, anything you need to help you to be supported in your classroom and in life. Today, I'm talking to my friend and former colleague, Erin Garl. She's currently a first grade teacher with 13 years of teaching experience, ranging from reading specialists and grades one through six. Her journey has evolved greatly in a short time, and she's recently decided to take steps to help herself to be able to function through the many cases of trauma that she's experienced in her life in the last few years. Before we jump into this interview, I'm so excited to tell you that this episode is brought to you by two incredible events that are coming up in the burned in teacher world. The first one is, of course, the Burned In Teacher Tribe program, also known as the Burned In Teacher Small Group program, that starts the week of April 8th. If you're feeling isolated, unbalanced, unsupported, and just overall burned out of teaching and life, this is the program for you. Starting the week of April 8th, as a small group, we'll be meeting once a week for one-hour group calls where we'll talk all things action, inspiration, and support for your specific needs, as well as lessons on how you can bring more burned in into your career and life. And you'll get access to our private Burned In Teacher Tribe Facebook group, where you'll meet other BIT mentors. These are graduates of previous programs who are continuing to burn in by sharing wins as they continue their Burned In Teacher journey. Don't wait. There are only a few spots open for the Spring 19 program, and we'd love to have you join us. Go to burnedinteacher.com slash BIT coaching to learn more. The other exciting event that this episode is brought to you by is the Renew, Recharge, and Reignite Teacher Wellness Retreat that my good friend Kim Strobel and I are co-hosting together. 
This two-day retreat is your chance to step outside of the classroom and step back into your life. You'll learn tips, tricks, and techniques for injecting happiness back into your teaching practice and your personal life. You'll leave burnout behind and walk away renewed, recharged, and reignited with courage and confidence to face next year's challenges. You'll learn five happiness habits to increase personal and professional positivity, methods for fostering relationships with students and coworkers, how to accept your past journey and make plans for changing your future path, and ways to rebrand yourself as an educator and human being, and much, much more. It will be held June 10th and 11th in Nashville, Indiana, a beautiful and quaint town in central Indiana. And I have to tell you, seats are limited, so don't wait to register. Right now, Kim and I are offering a fast action bonus of $60 off of the standard ticket price if you register by April 15th, so don't wait. Check out bit.ly slash teacher retreat or burnedinteacher.com slash retreat to learn more and register. And don't forget to bring a teacher friend because that accountability is going to be critical as you leave this transformational event and move into your summer and eventually your brand new school year. Go to bit.ly slash teacher retreat or burnedinteacher.com slash retreat to learn more today. In today's episode, Erin's going to share with us her journey through several experiences of trauma in her own life. She'll explain her own transition from chaos to control through using tactics such as reflection, meditation, and self-advocating for her own mental health. Let's get started with this interview. Well, Erin, I'm so, so glad that you decided to talk with us today. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. So tell us a little bit about your teaching journey. Where did it start? I uh, come from a teacher and also several aunts who are teachers. So I'm kind of always been in the teaching mind frame. Um, I knew I wanted to either be a jeweler or a teacher. My father's a jeweler. Um, and I was kind of encouraged strongly to go the teaching route. Um, so I went to IU, got my teaching degree, uh, came back and did not get a teaching job, um, general, like a standard teaching job right away. I actually went and um, was an assistant and was reading recovery trained. And then I was hired in the next year at my corporation, mm-hmm. um, for reading recovery. We bounced around a lot of different reading specialist type programs for a few years. Um, my building then, um, dropped their reading specialist program because they were not title too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was put in sixth grade math, which I was terrified about, Mm -hmm. but I was going to take anything they offered me. Um, and I loved it. It was really great. It was a lot of fun. Um, totally something different than I had been doing. So it was nice. Uh, uh, then after about six or seven years, I went down to third grade, um, which was terrifying. And I cried. Um, I left a team that I was extremely comfortable with. Um, and I was, just petrified. Um, but I li- I work in a great building. And so it wasn't that I was scared of anybody. It was just leaving my, my people, um, came to third grade, amazing group of kiddos, great time, great working partners. Um, and then after two years, I really just was my stress level with a lot of things, which I think we'll get into, um, had really culminated. And so I asked to 
move down to first um, and take the position that you had actually left open for me. (laughs) So this is a great segue to let you all know, if I haven't already um, in the introduction, that uh, that Aaron actually took over the position that I left at my previous school um, this past May. And she was actually also my daughter's third grade teacher. So Aaron and I have a history and um, she did a great job, you know, just as my daughter's teacher. And I think she's just doing a bang up job as the first grade teacher. She's taken things that I have done. I've seen pictures of her room and I'm like, ah, you're just doing a great job. So, <laughs> so, uh, so tell me a little bit about um, just really quickly. So you've only taught at this corporation, right? Right. I mean, I had my one year where I was reading recovery trained in a different corporation, um, but not, I did not get to know people like I do here. Okay. So yeah, I'm year 13, um, just here. Okay. So I would love for you to elaborate a little bit about when you uh, switched from sixth grade to third grade. You said you cried a lot. Oh yeah. Was it, (laughs) was it not your decision? It, it was, uh, no, it was not my decision. Um, it was, it was brought to me gently because my principal knew it was going to be tough, not only for myself, but my teaching partners in sixth grade. Um, but they numbers were numbers Yes, and they needed another third grade teacher. Um, and because of my background in reading specialist and with the, I read and all of that we have in Indiana, mm-hmm. Um, he felt I would be the best fit. Um, and I mean, I was okay with that, but as you guys have talked about on many of the podcasts and everybody is change is scary and it's hard. And I found out about it over the summer, um, Mm -hmm. only about like a month, I feel like before. And so it was just a lot. Um, and then I guess it also goes into the fact that, um, that was, a year after, um, a surprising cancer diagnosis. Um, and so there was now in hindsight, now that I've gone through all this stuff that I have gone through, um, it was, I just mentally, emotionally couldn't handle it. And that's why I was just struggling a lot. That was sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. (laughs) It was, it was one of them. Yeah. It started the whole, um, kind of process in here in the last three years is it really has rolled a lot faster. And now I'm where I'm at and we've talked about the different things that I do mm-hmm. and we'll talk about those. Um, but yeah, so sixth grade, I now look back, um, in the last six months, I've had a lot of, um, more personal thinking of just me, myself as a person teaching mom, all of those things. Um, and I realized five years ago, six years ago, I was burnt out. Mm-hmm. I was, I had been doing the same thing happily, but I was bored. I was that under challenged burnout, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize it then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, the days stretched so long. <laughs> it was so boring. I mean, I was struggling big time. I did not realize it then I realize it now. Um, and so although I was very upset going to third, I so needed it because it did, it was like a, it was like a shot of espresso. I I mean, it, I got going again, but it it was what I needed to revitalize at that time. And it was, it was good. Um, with my medical stuff going on, it, it just seemed like a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then actually that first year with your daughter is when I had to go and have the second surgery for um, my thyroid. And again, thank goodness I had that class because a month of not really being able to talk would not work with every group. Um, and that group I was able to. Um, but then in third grade, I I didn't realize the stress I would feel or put on. I don't know if it was put on me. I don't know if it was put on myself. Um, but the the testing in third grade in this state really did a number on me. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd be able to handle it. And I was not at all. Right. Uh, I taught third grade for several years. And that testing made me miserable. I yeah. I cried along with my students. Some not like outright, but I mean, I had right. to like turn my head and just like take a deep breath because I was so frustrated for them. You know, that right. is that's a connection for sure that I can I can make with you. I want to go back a little bit and talk for a second about you then realizing that you were burned out in sixth grade and then made that move to third grade. That's another thing that sometimes that unwelcomed change is so shocking and so frustrating at first, but sometimes, maybe not all the time, sometimes it can end up being a really great thing. I was moved unexpectedly from second grade to third grade. Now, my situation was a little bit different. I was actually told by parents how excited they were that I was looping with their kids, and I was like, (laughs) "Uh, wait, what? (laughs) I didn't know about it. Somehow it had gotten through the loop to them and I was not made aware. And that was very frustrating. And it actually put me in a terrible position with a teacher in third grade because it made it look like I was taking her job. And that was, that change was very, very hard for me because it, it just, it, it created tension between, between another teacher and I, and I had no part in it at all. Um, right. But I will tell you, once that was all cleared away, because I was very upfront with her that this was not my doing and that I was yeah. really sorry and um, that I was how, how frustrated I was about it. But um, I will tell you, teaching third grade with that team, I mean, you've heard me talk about it before. We are still good friends. We still I met my very right. best friend there. Uh, and I I'm so glad that it happened. I wish it wouldn't have happened in that way. But right. It. it it, it happened. So, I mean, I, we, I made the best of it and it actually turned out to be really great. So. <laughs> and it was, and my, my experience was wonderful as well. Um, it, it was, I say traumatizing not to be dramatic, but it felt traumatic to me at the time due to, I had only been back a year, um, due to my cancer and being gone unexpectedly because it was, you know, cancer is never really expected. Um, but I had only been back a year and then all of a sudden I was leaving. And so, and you find out about a month before school that that's happening and it was just, oh my goodness, I can't do this. I can't handle this. I I don't want to leave. I, you know, all the thoughts came racing into my brain of what I should do. Um, but I came into a group of ladies that were just like, Hey, we got this. We, you know, just follow our footsteps. Don't stress. You are not going to be asked to do this all by yourself. And it was wonderful. Absolutely (laughs) wonderful. And then the next year, one of them had to be moved Mm -hmm. because (laughs) Um, of numbers, because of numbers. Mm -hmm. And there were only two of us. 
And it was still like, oh my word, it's only my second year. But because they did such a good job that first year, just essentially being my moms, my school moms, my teacher moms (laughs) with everything, I felt confident and comfortable. Like I can handle it. It's not going to be the end of the world. That's so awesome. And I know them too. I know who you're talking about and they are a pretty great group of ladies. So we're pretty lucky. Um, so now let's, let's talk a little bit about then, uh, third grade. Um, Mm -hmm. you had stress built up from clearly going through cancer. Um, those were feelings that you had that was, that had stressed you out. And I can, I can't imagine, I can't empathize with that because I, I've never had cancer. Um, I can't imagine how you could not be thinking about that all the time. Right. Well, so, and that's kind of how I'm, I've evolved to where I am now. Um, because the last almost four years now, it's been, it feels very one thing after another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at first tried to keep everything perfect here. Or, I mean, as close to perfect, cause I've never been the queen of perfect, but keep it together as much as I can here. Um, and just, push everything down when it comes to my other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was not mentally able to do that. Um, yeah, I tried really hard to do that and it wasn't working. And so then I'm in third grade, you know, I get a call of, Oh, you've got tumors here. had to go in for another surgery. I tried to push that down more. Um, and I just, between my personal and the testing, I, it was like, I wasn't breathing. Um, it felt very suffocating. Um, and while all that's going on, it's not like <laughs> education stood still. Mm-hmm. We're getting all these changes of this stuff. And so there's always the smattering of those um, issues as well that were overwhelming. Um, and then that's when I I went to my principal and just said, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can do this, but I am not in the mental, emotional space for me to be successful here. I need out. Mm -hmm. Um, and he understood because he had, it had been my same principal, um, the whole time. And so he kind of watched the whole deal going through, you know, I was pregnant with my daughter. I had cancer. I came back, I had surgery. Um, and, and then the actual straw that broke the camel's back was definitely seven months ago, um, with the car wreck. Mm -hmm. Um, and that car wreck is what has, I hated it, but it also has really forced me to go to places that I haven't gone before and seek out help and really work that way for myself, my, my mental and emotional. And so that's when I went and I said, I need out. Um, I need, I need to leave. And I knew you were stepping aside. Um, and I said, I would like, um, to move to first cause then I can at least have one thing less, mm-hmm. or at least in my mind. I mean, everything has stress. Every grade has its own stress, but I needed mm-hmm. to get away from that academic standardized testing stress mm-hmm. in the third grade classroom. Mm-hmm. Have you found that in fact, it has helped you to move down to first grade? Yes, absolutely. Not having to essentially, uh, I hate to say it, essentially teaching for the test. I mean, we say we don't, but I am you know, it, it's a, it's so much of a stressor on corporations. Um, and it is so high stakes that, yeah, I found coming down to first, there's a whole different level of stress. <laughs> I hear you. 
We are functioning at a different level of stress for things, but not having to worry about, you know, I learn, I whatever, um, I read. It, it has has definitely been a huge help mm-hmm. for me mentally and emotionally. Yeah, Good. absolutely. Good. So when you had your car wreck last year, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what went through your mind um, as far as you you had already had the stress that you said had been you've been pushing down and pushing down you know your daughter having your daughter having the cancer finding right. the tumors the testing and now this car accident which was <laughs> listeners this was not a a, a, a fender bender it yeah. was a very serious accident you actually had to be yeah. cut out of your car yes and i was on my way to work yeah um which has not helped my <laughs> situation at some moments. Um, yeah, so it was, it was heavy duty, um, literally got hit by a truck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but so the accident happened and now that I think about it, it's kind of messed up. Like the accident happened and the first person I thought about while still stuck in my vehicle, um, and people are stopping on the highway and stuff was I need to call my husband and everything literally was everywhere. I had no idea where anything. The second thing was I have to call my school. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I, it kind of bothers me that that's what I thought of um, because I really, I just, I don't feel like I should, you know, I should be focusing on that. I should be focusing on, are, are my legs working? Um, things like that. Um, so the accident happened. I had to be off of work um, for a little while. And I, I still stepped into the same habit I had had, which is you know, essentially grin and keep going, smile and keep moving, you know, Mm -hmm. and I am thankful and I'm grateful, but I just, I didn't really, um, give anything attention or the respect, any of the emotions, feelings that I was having. Um, I still tried to push it down. Um, and about a month after the accident, I was still having major panic attacks, um, anxiety attacks at home, driving was a mess things were and I was just falling apart everywhere mm-hmm. I mean I'd come to school I'd put on the smile um, but I was falling apart literally everywhere else in my life um, and I am a huge advocate of mental health um, I have several family and friends who they utilize it but it was still in my mind for other people mm-hmm. because what I was having wasn't valid or you- that's the way I processed it can you help me understand what you mean by they they utilize it? Utilizing as in seeking help outside of just family and friends. Going literally to a, a doctor and saying, you know, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, or what do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always advocated for my family or friends like, yes, that's great. You should do that. That is wonderful. Um, but gave myself a bunch of excuses of why not for me. Like, I don't need that. You know, my problems aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of us do that. And I'm not saying everybody has to run out and go get a counselor, but I don't think we give ourselves enough um, credit or grace. Um, I don't know exactly the maybe permission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To say, you know what? I'm a little messed up and I've got some issues that I need to go to someone for. Mm -hmm. So, I, I went to my doctor and like my general practitioner and essentially like bald in his office and it was very awkward. Um, and he, you know, wanted me to go find someone. And that has been, 
um, the biggest help that I have had in, and I didn't realize it was, I honestly, I, uh, all of it, I just connected to the, to the wreck and it's just not that one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, it has helped me all over the place. Um, and we've talked about some of those things. Um, but it has been a huge help for me mentally and emotionally, um, to keep going. Um, and it's just, I don't think enough of us allow ourselves to have that as an option, I guess. What do you think? And I, I totally agree with you. I think there's a lot of permission that we don't give ourselves as teachers because we, we tell ourselves, this is just, this is just what it is. You've heard me say that before. This is just what teaching is like. This is just what life is like. And we have to give ourselves permission to say, no, this, this doesn't have to be reality. Right. No, it's you know, not normal to cry. <laughs> yeah, it's not normal to cry every day. You said that it's really helped significantly for you to start talking to somebody. Where have you seen the biggest difference? Oh, my goodness. Um, honestly, um, I guess it would be called advocating. Being confident enough to not it's 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 my ability to now just say, you know what, I can't do this right now in a sense saying no to things or just saying that's not something that I am allowing to happen. I've even had to go um, to my principal and I've just said, this is where my brain is functioning right now. This is what I'm working on. This is, this is what I can handle. And this extra thing right now, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't deal with that. I can't think about that. And I'm, and I, not like I'm telling him what to do, but in a way, just saying, this is just how it is for me. And he is very understanding of that. Um, and it's not like I'm trying to get out of work. It's nothing like that. No. But advocating for myself and just saying, this that you're putting on this plate right now, it's too much. I can't. Um, I will, but I can't right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been huge. And it's not just here at school. Um, it's everything. And I just was never like that before. I would just be like, all right, you got to do it. And it might take me 20 years and I'd get it done. Whereas now it's like, you know what? I'll get to it sometime, but I'm going to say no. Um, or I'm going to just tell you that that is way too much and I can't. You know, last night when we were talking um, during the BIT Live in our Facebook group, I remember saying, and I was just reading down through the list of uh, the blog post about the different types of burnout. And I mentioned, you know, you don't have to say no. If you don't like saying no, just say not right now. Right. <laughs> That's kind of an easier way to get it out because teachers want to make everybody happy. So we are accustomed to be people pleasers and say yes to everything. And in a lot of cases, we don't have a choice to say no, you know? Right. <laughs> so, you know, so what I've told people is, okay, if you, if you can't say no, cause you can just tell by the look on people's face when you yeah. tell them it's time to start saying no, they're like, <gasps> they get that look on their face. Like what? Like, right. I don't even know how to say that word. <laughs> so right. I'm like, well, just say not right now or not at this time, maybe later. <laughs> right. And I, it's helped me a lot. I mean, I've worked in the same building um, for 13 years and I have um, very, very good friends, um, best friends here, but it's helped me to be able to be open with them. Not that I'm not open. You, I mean, you know me, mm-hmm. I'm open, but there are things that I would always hold back. Um, 
but especially with my closest friends, just being open with them and saying, this is where I am. They help to buffer. Um, they really do help, um, to kind of just tell other people, you know what, she's not the one you want to go to right now. Mm -hmm. She'd be great for it, but she's just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know they're doing that for me. They didn't come out and tell me that, but I've seen it. And that's been a huge help as well. Um, to have that mental support, um, here at school. So what are you doing specifically besides actually talking to someone? What is it that you're doing day to day to manage that trauma and to manage your stress levels? So I, um, I, (laughs) I, I like my phone. I have my apps. I have, I down, I have a person in another, um, group who had told me about a certain app. It's called insight timer. Um, and it's got meditation stuff and calming music and all of these things. And, um, he had been using it and he said, Oh, give it a try. And I'm like, eh, maybe. And I pushed it off a little while. And then finally I was like, you know what? I can't stand being like within my own skin right now within my own head. So maybe let's give it a whirl, Mm -hmm. try something. Um, and I started using that, um, insight timer and I would use it mainly at night. Um, and I would use it to help me fall asleep, the meditations to sleep. Um, and I liked it. And I started using it with my children at home. Um, I have a middle child who is extremely um, anxious about anything under the sun and will stay up for hours after we put him to bed um, because he's worried about the wind because it might be a tornado or, I mean, just bonkers oh. stuff. <laughs> um, and so I started using it with the boys and they were staying in bed and they were not coming out at night. And for the most part, we're waking up better. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And then my daughter, who's four now, she came back from a trip deciding she's scared of the dark. So I was like, oh, let's see if I can find one for her. And now we only use one with her. Um, but it's about fireflies. And I tell you what, it's my husband calls it voodoo because he doesn't understand how it just like all of a sudden she's fine and she stays asleep and doesn't cry and it's crazy. Um, but when you have a four-year-old who's asking the, her grandmother for meditation, (laughs) it's weird. It kind of catches you off guard, but it's like, okay, that must work. Like, Mm -hmm. so I started doing that at home. Um, I, because of the accident and the fact that it was on the way to school. And so I drive by every morning, um, I realize that for whatever reason, I can't listen to the radio anymore. Um, it, it gets my anxiety going in the vehicle. Um, and so I started playing music, calming music on um, my phone. Um, and as shortly around that time when I was just like, okay, I can make it to school. Things are going well. I would play the music at school as well um, in the classroom is when my sister, who is also in education, my sister notified me for a different app. And so this is because we have all these educators. Um, It's called Calm, Mm -hmm. C-A-L-M. And if you go to the website, and I think it might just be labeled Calm Schools Initiative, you can sign up. It takes a few days, but you can have free access to the whole app as an educator. Um, They're trying to promote for educators to use it in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And they have oh my goodness, just loads of stuff on there. Um, and they even have like a seven day calm, um, meditation set, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say, Mm -hmm. um, 
do with your kids in the classroom. Um, I'm trying to still figure out how I'm going to work it in time-wise because it is a little bit lengthy. Um, but they love the music. It really brings the level in my classroom down, like from, I don't know, anxious or just, you from know, first grade. <laughs> yeah, from first grade. Squirrely bugs in the seats. It helps bring that level down. Um, but now I, you can download stuff and you can play it offline. I use that Calm app day in and day out when I'm working in my room, um, again, every night with the kids. And it's just been a huge, just, I don't know, weight lifted off my brain. I don't know how it works. I don't get it really, honestly. Um, but just the breathing and that music, I, it might be voodoo, but I'll use it. Hey, <laughs> you know what? I will take your voodoo. So tell us really quickly, again, what are the names of those two apps? Okay, so the one that educators can go in, you, you can't do it through the app. You have to go through the internet. Okay. Um, that one is Calm, C-A-L-M. Um, and they it takes a few days for you to get you know verified. Okay. And then they send you an email with all your login stuff. And That's then the other one, um, the other one is Insight Timer and you can pay for that one. I don't know how much it is. I don't, I just use all the free stuff. Okay. Um, and they're great. Okay. And it's just wonderful. I'm so, so glad that you shared that with us. I know last year I used with my students because I had, I had quite the group last year. And when we came back from Christmas break, I had really revamped our morning meeting time to make mm -hmm. it about getting to know them better and building relationships with them. And we talked about our feelings every morning and we had, you know, a lead. Uh, we had like a little morning meeting leader. And I found on Go Noodle during that Christmas break because yeah. I was just looking for ways to calm the classroom and get them to be more mindful of their choices right. and their work. And I found that on Go Noodle, they have a, a section called Flow. Yes. And yes. my kids loved that. Now, to have all of the access, you have to have the paid version. But the the five or six free ones, I think, I think there were about six of them that were free, to give them the opportunity to choose to do one of those every day as a class really made a huge difference. So if you've not used Go Noodle at all, it's just gonoodle.com and they have, a, they have free access for teachers. It's limited, but um, you can get on there and they have all kinds of silly brain breaks. Um, but I found that Go Noodle Flow was so helpful and I was able to use those statements of mindfulness throughout the day. So for example, if one of the kids was just being extra squirrely and bother bothering others, I would say something like, if you're working on reading, you should just work on reading. And they would finish this, the statement because they knew that it was about being mindful of what you were doing in that moment and not worrying about what everybody else was doing. Right. And I, we do go noodle in the classroom as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do some of the silly like bonker dancing stuff and all that <laughs> stuff that goes insane. Mm -hmm. Um, but we do bee breaths, um, the bee breathing mm -hmm. and it's silly as well, but it just, it, it really just brings their anxiety or their just fidgetiness down a level. Um, and so, yeah, we try to, we try to do some of those mindfulness flows, um, and go noodles in the classroom as well. So if you could talk to Aaron four years ago or Aaron three years ago mm -hmm. as the Aaron you are now, what would you say to her? Oh my goodness. I would say in a way, just stop fighting it and allow yourself to 
be the mess because I was already a mess, but I kept pushing everything down and pushing everything away. Um, and just, nope, I, I got this. I can do this. I'm fine. Um, and just allow myself to be the mess. Cause then I could have started this whole process and insight and just kind of, my husband calls it woke <laughs> and I think he's ridiculous, but you know, just realize, you know, really getting to know what I can handle and what I can't handle and speaking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a, there's a book and I'm really regretful that I never talked to you about it. It's called happy teachers change the world. Mm-hmm. And I know that I posted on Facebook. This was even back before the Facebook group started. I posted on Facebook that I was reading it and it, it does. It's by, um, I don't believe that the, it's by the company Plum Village, but okay. it's it's written by a monk named Thich Nhat Hanh, and he has such a passion for bringing that calm and that mindfulness into classrooms and into schools and into teachers and to students' lives. So I will also link something in the show notes to that, but that really helped me. I got that book the summer before last school year. Okay, and yeah. It has a ton of mindfulness activities and Plum Village, uh, they actually have, uh, I don't want to say outings, they have retreats where you can actually travel to France where this Plum Village is. And teachers can, I know, but (laughs) they actually have these retreats where they teach teachers how to manage the stress and how to bring it into their classrooms. So that's something else to think about too, but it sounds like you've got a pretty good handle on what it is that you needed in your life to, to become vulnerable and say, I need help and to put those strategies in place to help you to be more calm. I'm, I'm trying. It is 100%. And that's the other thing. It is a constant work in progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, you are just constantly, constantly working on it. And it, not even that you even realize that's what you're doing, but you are. Um, Have you had the chance at all besides being on this podcast and helping change the lives of many, many <laughs> teachers who are going to listen to this and they're going to say, oh my gosh, she is me. <laughs> Have you had a chance to, to share your story with anybody and to tell them what it is that is working for you? Um, my, my close, my close people, the, the people that I still feel the most comfortable with, Mm -hmm. um, know my story and know the, the dirties and the uglies and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but many more than that, not a whole lot, I would say. Um, but I'm getting better at that. I'm getting better at saying, Hey, this, this works for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, Hey, have you tried this? Mm -hmm. Look at this. Um, so I'm getting better at that, but no, I have not been able to, or I've not been comfortable enough, I guess, to do that. Well, and I know I'm going to ask you this on air and I will let you decide in your own time if that's what you would like to do. But I mentioned also in the Facebook group last night, because of a conversation that you and I had a few weeks ago, I asked you (laughs) if you would be willing to actually go live and talk more about this with our right. Facebook group um, on Burned and Teacher Live, because I said it's not Amber Harper Live. It's right. And you guys are the Burned and Teachers. You're the members of the group. So I would really love to invite you. And again, you don't have to answer here, <laughs> but I would love to invite you to go a little deeper because as when you get off the off of Skype with me, you're going to think, oh, I really should have told them about this or, oh my gosh, I really should have shared this thing. 
I would love for you to have a chance to do that and really kind of get a little bit more intimate with the group about what happened in your life and what exactly you have done about those things. So this is your open invitation to help to lead those teachers down a path to more calm (laughs) and uh, a little bit more mindfulness of of themselves, you know, and what they're feeling, because that is that is no way to live. Well, and it's really I mean, it's really hard. I think it's way harder than we give it credit for, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. I never really thought about it as much as I have in the last seven months. Um, But I think it's a lot harder than we realize to be really upfront and honest about everything because Mm -hmm. crazy isn't normal. No, it's not. But we live in a society that, you know, spouts off that it is normal to have 800 things to do and 30 places to be and all of these things. And, but it's not normal. Um, and that stress does not help anyone anytime. You're absolutely right. Well, Erin, <laughs> thank you so, so much for joining us today. You had, you. you have a lot of insight to share with people. So I, I hope, I hope I was able to help someone. <laughs> you, I'm sure you will. So thank you so much. <laughs> yep. It was so nice to talk to my friend, Aaron, and I have so many tips and takeaways from our conversation. The first one is sometimes that unexpected or forced change can be shocking and frustrating, but after the move is made and the dust settles, it can end up being the best move for you. And I really feel like the same applies to trauma. Of course, you never want to go through trauma or watch someone else that you love go through it. But sometimes those experiences can cause you to be a stronger person on the other end. And I think that's what is true of Aaron. The second takeaway is smiling and moving on is not the best cure for dealing with major trauma in your life. If you're doing that and falling apart on the inside, you've got to act on your needs. Mental health is nothing to move to the side. So acknowledge it and take steps to reach out for help from those who you trust or from a professional. And that's our takeaway number three. Give yourself permission and enough grace to admit that sometimes we can't do it on our own. And our families can't help us. We need to seek professional help. Going through trauma and ignoring the warning signs will not make the traumatic effects of your experiences go away. The fourth takeaway is it is not normal to cry every day. Feeling crazy is not normal. Even though our society says that it's normal to have 800 things to do and 30 places to be in a day, it's not That stress and that pressure doesn't help anybody to live their happiest and most fulfilled life. So do what you can to take control of the busyness in your life and make and take time to take care of your own mental health needs. The next one is advocate for yourself. Saying no or not right now is hard, but it's necessary in the pursuit of your calm, your balance, and taking back your life after a traumatic experience. The sixth takeaway is find sources of mindfulness training like Calm and Inside Timer and even Go Noodles Flow. Erin has found ways to regulate herself through these apps, but that alongside of therapy has helped her to grow out of these traumatic experiences. And also bringing your own practices for mindfulness into your classroom helps your students to know more about you. And just like Dr. Desitels told us last week in episode 28, co-regulation begins with strong, trusting relationships built on mindfulness and a calm brain state. 
And the last takeaway is stop fighting against these feelings and allow yourself to feel the mess so you can address what you can handle and what you can't. As always, you can access these show notes and show notes and links from other episodes at burnedinteacher.com slash podcast. Until next week, I wish you a career and life full of happiness and fulfillment. You just took another step to become a burned in teacher. Burn on. That's it for this week's episode of the Burned In Teacher Podcast. Until next week, take a deep breath. You are your own hero. And you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on. If you want to be updated on the latest Burned In Teacher Podcast episodes, don't forget to subscribe to the Burned In Teacher Podcast on Google Play or iTunes. Also, please consider leaving a review and leave a rating so that other teachers who are feeling the burnout can find this podcast to help them feel supported as they continue their journey out of burnout. Thanks so much.